Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. My name is Richard Acton and in this episode, episode 68, we are uh, covering chapters 9 and 10 from part 3 Imago of book 3 Imago of the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. And I am joined, as always, uh, by my co-host in this uh, stone hovel on the uh, mountaintop that we're currently uh, inhabiting. (laughs) <laughs> Hello everyone, Michael Glinka here. Yes, I thought you're gonna go with maybe my prediction sort of, you know, like, you know, full on Mission uh, Impossible. Dun, 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 yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not not so much this time yet. Uh, uh, not yet. Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, it's it's actually, you know, I'm a bit sad. I need to say because we are on chapters mm-hmm. nine and ten. And we only have. Six, I think, six or eight chapters left. Yeah, we're we're pretty pretty close to the end now. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a lot left to go. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a hell of a journey, but before the journey ends, you know, still we still have some uh, some things to go through for me to predict the worst things or Octavia just throw I don't know a landmine in front of our feet. Typical, you know. So plenty of things to do still. Yeah, we, we, there are many different ways we could wrap this up, I suppose. It's hard to predict <laughs> what exactly might play out next. I mean, there's, there's a few things that we can we can more or less expect, but we don't know what else might be in there as well, I suppose, is the... Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. The question. Yeah. Mm. Well, then, should we get to my chapter 9 prediction? Sure. So, okay, so... Obviously, I referenced this in the beginning, but I thought that this literally be, literally will be mission possible. You know, queuing music, the music from the movie. You know, Joda's going full commander mode, trying to rescue Jesus and Thomas. Uh, no. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it looks like that's probably uh, the, like the next episode. <laughs> yes, next epi- in the next episode, massive cliffhanger, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, let's let's get to it then. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, as we just said, Mission Impossible was not happening as they were literally planning to leave, i.e., air with humans down the river and Jodas to the village. To their unfortunate surprise, a group of armed men appro- started approaching towards the watchtower tower or the mm-hmm. little stone ho- hovel, as uh, Richard described it. Um, the humans were hurt and smelled before they even. Uh, there are even were seen. Um, unfortunately, for all of the people in the cabin, Aira has already fixed Javier and Paz enough to make it noticeable. Um, so the plan was to let the humans in the house and sting them to unconsciousness. It would be the first time for Aira to sting anyone, but Jodas was certain it would be fine. Yeah, the, 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 the reason for its certainty was uh, interesting. <laughs> There's a little quote from the text here. Is that, Didn't you make at least one of them unconscious last night with, with reference to uh, Eor's new mates? Mm. And then uh, its sensory tentacles knotted against its body in embarrassment and its mates looked at one another and smiled. Um, which you know, it comes across as quite creepy. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the 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 humans just kind of like smiling or like I imagine kind of indulgently at the 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 fact that they were you know drugged into unconsciousness by Aor the previous night seems a bit off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Typical Onkali stuff, you know. But the pheromones are doing their stuff, so they're not really uh, not even aware <laughs> yeah. what's happening to them. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's just uh, the. 
that's yeah it, it, it always throws me like kind of the the suddenness of that in this in this uh, section here right where everyone's just like kind of you know goes all kind of like i don't know glazed over and uh, like i don't know so, soft <laughs> something something weird happens to their brains <laughs> they go all kind of melty and doughy eyed yeah. for for the uh, the uloi in in this section and it's very oh, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah mm. absolutely so yeah, also Jodas hoped that Air would survive being shot, to which Air respond, responded, I feel as though I can stand it. I feel as though I could survive almost anything now. It seems that finding uh, of new mates really healed it. Um, Javier also told them that after Jesus and Thomas uh, um, two years ago, left two years ago, there was no trouble anyway, so the security wouldn't be surprised if no one was watching outside. So the plan was to send the humans to Santos's cave, uh, which will allow them to hide, while Air and Jodas would hide by the entrance to the cabin and sting any humans. As the humans came, they called out for heavy, uh, Javier, but obviously got no response. Furthermore, the win windows were high and small, so peeking in would be hard to see if anyone is there. It was no surprise to our Uloi when one of the humans kicked in the door. Human eyes adjust slowly to sudden dimness. We stood behind the door and waited, hoping at least two of the men would stumble in, half blind. Yeah, I did a little um, uh, refreshing myself on the, the mechanics of like dark adaptation of the uh -huh. eyes. Um, and I found a couple of interesting little historical tidbits. And it it seemed on. as though the this um, uh, effect was kind of um, measured uh, mm -hmm. somewhat formally as early as 1865. Okay. Um, which is quite interesting, right? sort of in the formal medical literature. Um, I found this review from 1920 that had some interesting stuff in it. <laughs> Go on. Now, apparently, uh, in 1911, uh, Nagel um, described that uh, dark adaptation starts slowly in the first five minutes mm -hmm. um, and then picks up um, beginning to slow again about 30 minutes in and then kind of levels out at about 45 minutes to an hour. So it takes quite a long time to fully uh, get get like the maximum sensitivity uh, in, in dark adaptation, but you kind of a, you have an initial slow adaptation period, um, right? Uh, which is you know a, a, an interesting little curve. You've got this kind of little sigmoid curve for the oh, okay, adaptation. Okay. okay. Yeah. I see. So it's so it's sort of basically like a slow build up, then it slowly goes, uh, you know, up to thirty minutes, and then levels out at forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, that's. I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, the, the initial part of the reaction is just you know your your pupils dilate so you can get mm -hmm. more light in. Yeah. Um, but uh, low light perception is mostly handled by by the rods, the mm -hmm. sort of um, the the uh, light intensity rather than color perceptive components yep. of the of the retina, and. Uh, they outnumber the cones something like 15 to 1, the cones being the, the color perception um, cells. Mm -hmm. um, so the, there's more of them available to, to do low-light sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was interesting to, to look at this in the history of the literature, right, because they they noticed that people with um, a color blindness or, or they like color perception issues didn't have problems with dark adaptation mm. so that the, the was the mm. thing that they found yeah. uh, as as curious to note right because the, the, they had they had a, a a visual impairment of some kind otherwise but it didn't affect their dark uh dark vision perception interesting um and you know, before they knew about the mechanics of, of rods and cones so so 
<laughs> and a fun kind of precursor of figuring out the mechanism to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of the rest of the the reason why the adaptation happens over a longer period of time is because you you actually physically need to make or available more of a particular compound in order to to uh, increase the sensitivity of, of your your rod cells you need more rhodopsin which is the actual uh, small molecule yeah. uh, which sits in in the receptor in, in your 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 rod cells and, and is hit by the photons and then isomerizes there's a little um, ester bond that flips orientation uh, and that uh, sets off a, a signal in in the protein that it that it binds um, and and it's actually it's incredibly sensitive in fact in, in 2016 they they were able to to um, Measure that the human eye is capable of perceiving a single photon. My God! Okay, uh, stri- striking the uh, one of these cells. Yeah, uh, it, and uh, part of the reason why is is because it can multiply the the input. Okay, so if, so if, it's you, just if you get a single photon, cycle. yeah, 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 it, it, it's, it's a very cool um, effect, right? You you flip one of these rhodopsins with a single photon, and then um, uh, it, it's using um, something that. Uh, a lot of biologists who've done some kind of undergrad may be familiar with like G-protein G coupled receptors and G-protein G uh, signaling. Mm. So the the um, rhodopsin flips over and then you've got a, uh, you know, a little transmembrane um, protein that activates a, a G-protein uh, uh, system. So, so you, it, it then goes and, and, and turns on a protein which, which uh, uh, creates um, cyclic GMP. So it takes GMP um, and, ma- and makes it into a, a cyclic version, which is the second messenger. So effectively, you can have one uh, switch flipped, and then it takes that signal uh, and can amplify it enough to make a, ne- a, a nerve fire because it, it can make several uh, additional chemical changes as a result. So you get this kind of amplification mechanism. Which is very yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's so cool it's just it's really mm-hmm. funny um just re- remind me correct me um uh, mm-hmm. please but in carrots vitamin a is um or is it vitamin k because i mean I it might be k uh it's because the vi- i think it's vitamin k it's because uh it's associated with you know how well your um eyesight can adjust to darkness if you eat lots of carrots. That was always, you know, uh, you know this sort of. Um, I mean, um, let me get it. Like, um, so I don't. It does. I can't remember whether or not. Yeah, I think it, this is not actually biologically the. Yeah. So, the but case. basically, you know, there was always this. Um, how do you call it? A folk sort of uh, perception that basically. Do, 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 you, do you know where that originated? I don't know, but in Poland, for example, I um, mm-hmm. I've always heard that like to eat a lot of carrots because it helps your eyesight, right? Or like you know, and then I got to grow older, it's changed to more of like it helps you see in the darkness. But then I actually checked, so and this, this is actually a, a, a the, the origin of that myth uh-huh. is a, a British propaganda operation to disguise the fact that we had invented radar that we could fit oh, into planes. I've heard of so that. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we invented. I think it was a, a magnetron, something that we could we could yes. miniaturize radar and put it in our, our fighters. And we didn't want the Germans to, to, to know. know during yes. the war that we had radar in our our, our fighter planes. So, so yeah. uh, we you know spread this disinformation about carrots. <laughs> so, but what's interesting actually, they they looked into this, right? Just just because you know mm. they looked into because it, it was common, you know, like knowledge that obviously wasn't correct. And generally, actually, mm. vitamin K. Upon, uh, if I might be wrong here, because I'm quoting a paper I don't found long ago, but um, 
it actually helps to speed up the process of the dark vision, you know, when, you know, the whole uh, adjustment of eyes to, to darkness. It doesn't help you see better in the darkness. It just helps you adjust to the darkness faster. Mm. I think the um, carotene and a couple of the other compounds in, in, in the, the, the thing that gives it its color, mm-hmm. They're, they're somewhat chemically similar in structure to some of the, to, to, to like rhodopsin and some okay. of these other photoreceptor um, type um, small molecules mm-hmm. that, that are associated with these protein complexes. Yeah. Um, in fact, well, carotene specifically, you see it a lot in um, the photoreceptor or photo um, complexes mm-hmm. in, in, in plants. But uh, yeah, I think that I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head what, what those chemical structures look like, but they're kind of vaguely similar. I okay. Think. <laughs> I don't know if there's some, I, I think there isn't actually a direct like link in that if you consume it, that you will get more of it in, yeah, yeah. in your eyes or anything to that effect. But uh, I think that might've been part of why it was kind of considered vaguely plausible mm-hmm. um, as a, like a source of disinformation. In the, the, yeah. The... <laughs> um, I will tell you a funny story just as an off topic mm-hmm. as we are on talking about carrots and, you know, um, as a kid, uh, in Poland, there used to be this juice that with um, carrots as a base of two of it, right? You could have apple mm-hmm. mixed with carrots, but always it was carrots with something, right? And I loved it. I drank so much mm-hmm. of it, and my mom always encouraged me to drink it. I drank so mm-hmm. much of it that I turned orange. Um, my uncle, uh, the reason I was like, is like, I, my mother didn't notice because obviously she sees me every day, right? But my uncle, mm-hmm. who I haven't seen for like, you know, two weeks or something, right? She, uh, he was like to my mother, he's orange, and then everybody <laughs> looked at me. And you're like, yeah, I've noticed something wrong, and I was like, okay, we're cutting down on the carrot juices. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, put, put plenty of carotene in the diet. Oh God, yes, yes. <laughs> Damn good yeah. juices, though. So yeah, I was like, carrot, carrot juice is nice actually. I've not had any in a while. It's a good kind of. Uh, it's not as as sweet as as a lot of the other. Like juice bases, so it's, mm. it's a nice savoury. I need to say the UK uh, carrot cake that you can get around here. It's you, you rarely can find a cake that doesn't have more sugar mm. added to it, and like instead of having the carrots as the base of the sugar, but you know, yeah, just yeah. me Car- Carrot cake is 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 definitely not. Um, a, 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 a load. I have a couple of carrot cake recipes. <laughs> Like butter and sugar content is, is oh, horrifying. Yes. Yeah. yes, it's absolutely ridiculous. I only had once a carrot cake that actually tasted like carrots. Uh, I don't know if you remember. It was a long time ago, back in our PhD. One of our co-workers mm-hmm. um, brought a carrot cake for the cake day. And mm-hmm. like it was super dense. You could tell there was lots of carrots used in it. And I was like, yes, this is. I can taste the sweetness of the carrot and the carrots. Not as much sugar, right? obviously, but still... Oof. I mean, that's the disturbing thing, though. Even when you can still taste the carrots, it's often, like, misleading about the oh, fact yes. that there's, the, <laughs> there's actually, like, a pound of sugar in this cake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, there's, more, there's more sugar. In, would you like some carrots with the sugar, please? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, let's go back to the... Let's get yes, back to the... Right tangent of the tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so, we finished all with people walking in, kicking the door and walking in. The first, only one person initially did uh, walk in and got immediately stung by Jodas. To his friends, it seemed like he just collapsed without the reasons. Two of them went inside to try to catch him, but they got stung as well. Uh, well, Jodas missed the first one, but got him the second time. Hmm. A very effective stealth attack. <laughs> yeah, 
the fourth month though was already aiming with her, uh, with his gun but you know Jodas experience allowed him to dodge the bullet like Neo from Matrix and grab the man um, the Uloi threw the guns uh, the Uloi threw the guns off the cliff and brought the man inside um, initially uh, the human fought but noticing that nothing is happening he eventually calmed down he was one of the sterile old humans the reason why Jodas didn't sting him was because they needed answers he did try to escape once, but you know, Jodas got him immediately and made him sit down again. In the meantime, Ayer wanted to help some of the humans. Um, their disabilities were much graver than they anticipated. Um, Jodas warned Ayer that if he heals, if it heals them, they won't be able to go back home. The elders stood there, confused and hostile, but only watched as Ayer was fixing his companions. The man asked what happened to the other people, and Jodas explained that they were healed and hiding in Santos's cave. But what was the price? Sterility, he asked. No, because Don Kali will be here soon, and the options will be either humans joining the colony on Mars, mating with Don Kali, or staying here at sterile. The man was surprised. A colony on planet Mars. It's already 50 years at this, uh, 50 years old uh, at this point. So this is uh, like crazy. This amount of time that has passed that between uh, book two and book three. Yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought it was like maybe maximum of like a decade or something, but it's already being a half of a century. Um, I, I forget kind of what exactly we established for the timelines. Yeah, but, uh, I think I mean that that does I think add up for um, how old uh, Jordas and Aeor would be, right? Uh, oh yeah. Given that it was quite a while before, um, I think even before even they were were born when. Um, uh, when, Anna, when the mask colony was a, when Anakin, Akin, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when Akin, Akin sorry. established the mask colony, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was being reading a lot of Star Wars news recently, so yeah. Mm. <laughs> but yes, so it was the, there was a mask colony, and it was fifty years old at this point. And, but the man obviously argued the man that uh, the the Earth was their home, but the Onkali should go to Mars. But Jealous told him, "Yeah, you know we want," and that shut him up. Yeah, that's, that's pretty blunt, that, right? Just like, yeah. you know we're not going to leave. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the humans just sort of get, you know, exiled to this uh, other plot of land with, with nothing of any significant value to mm-hmm. the Carly on it. <laughs> Absolutely. As they talked, Aero already made significant progress on one of the men. Some tumors were already vanishing. The Elder was fascinated. His uh, paragraph from the book, his expression, his body language were oddly false. He was fascinated. He did not want to be. He wanted to be disgusted. He pretended to be disgusted. It was more than fascination, in fact, an envy. He must have experienced an Uloi touch, and he wanted it again. Jodas led him to the bed so he could check if he truly is healthy, and the man, although teaching children about the devils that Onkali are, pulled Jodas to him with the same eagerness as he was probably doing to his human partner. And that's where the chapter ends. Yep. <laughs> I mean, uh, saucy. I, I had a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Yep. Lots more... Uh, Promiscuous from yeah, uh, Jodas. Uh, yeah, but I sort of... Yeah, or sort of uh, much more um, you know, um, bewitchment of the humans, I suppose. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, that's definitely yeah. that's that. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a little section I, I, I forgot to pull out, which was that... Uh, the um, uh, you know, once they captured them, they kind mm-hmm. of you know cl- closed them in with their scent for a little bit. Oh yeah, to, to let, let them, them work uh, about them. Yeah, 
the stew in, oh, yes. <laughs> in that. So it's like you walk in and it's just like you know aphrodisiac in the air. Just like let it walk through and it's like you know, ooh. Yeah, so they uh, hotbox them for a little bit, I suppose, <laughs> before. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness! Before uh, coming back in and, mm-hmm. uh, and suddenly seeming much more appealing. Uh, suddenly, yes. But yeah, let's get to my chapter ten prediction. Uh, mm-hmm. So obviously, I was like, okay, not yet. Mission Possible cannot take place yet. Uh, at this point, I wasn't sure. Uh, some humans. It felt like the, some of the humans that can't reproduce will love on Kali. Some will be still wary. But judging by the reaction of the human that already had contact on Kali, all of them will love the fact that they're not covered in tumors. So that was obvious. And I thought that basically, like, this, this whole, you know, mm. gassing them with pheromones and the whole showing what they're capable of, like, it really shift the scale towards, you know, wow, okay, well, we were few, you know, you told us they're devils. No, 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 we like them type of situation and will help them yep. to get Jodas, uh, uh, sorry, Jesus and Thomas. And it's, um, it's another one of those kind of, um, like this is a, I don't know, a lower level, more visceral kind of a need, right? Mm. The, the objection to the, the Oankali's presence is sort of a, you know, it, it's a, it's a, an intellectual one in some sense, right? It's yep. a, it's a, a, an ideological one, right? We, we, it's quite high up in the cognitive stack as it were whereas being free of physical impairments is uh you know relatively low down on there right so yeah. if they're wanting to make a you know a good impression on the human hind brain mm. then um absolutely you know some some pheromones and some healing uh will uh you know make make the humans wonder exactly why it is they have these objections again. exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah mm. and Chapter 10, let's start to get, let's get to it. Um, by the time the night hit, everyone was a friend. First one, Raphael, the man whose tumorous air fixed and mouth uh, improved. Uh, next was Raymond, Raphael's brother, who had hunchback, and by the time air finished, he was already standing straighter. Um, next one was Natal, who was deaf for years, but not anymore. And, you know, so it was obvious that, you know, all these people were like, okay, you know, peace, you know, we are, we're happy. Like, you know, all those problems we had. And the, the turn of phrase there is, is, is kind of a casual nature to it as well in the text. So he was deaf for years, not anymore. Yeah. yeah. So the elder's name was Francisco. Uh, he was confused that he accepted them so quickly. On Cali, you know, obviously on Cali ferments were crazy. He wanted to stay mm. with them, but Jodas sent him to get uh, Santos, Paz, and Javier. Jodas asked Just, him. Uh, mm-hmm. Go on. On that point about the the pheromones again, I think the, the it's becoming increasingly clear that the um, the the construct Uloi have like more potent uh, a more potent effect on the humans than did the. Uh, just straight Owen Carly. Yeah, uh, Uloi, you know what? I think right. Mm. They're definitely a lot more seductive than, you know, given our experience from from inside the heads of, um, and uh, uh, Lilith um, and 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 others uh, back in the first interactions with the the Uloi, Right, people were a lot more hesitant a lot yeah absolutely really scared of them and and their physicality and I, I think maybe it's just to do with the the physical appearance component right because the uh, the the uh, you know these uloi look pretty human excepting the extra arms yes uh, at this point 
um, which is not something that we really kind of um, necessarily remind ourselves on all, all, all that often at the moment. They're looking pretty, um, pretty human. Uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, the, the uh, Oran Kalyu lawyer were, were very alien still. Absolutely. Um, and in mm. fact, to be honest, you're right, because, you know, when, whenever, um, you know, the first interactions we had of all the humans, in fact, you know, it was the Onkali had to be in a physical contact to sort of, you know, stimulate that, that mm. sort of, you know, calm down or whatever to drag them as they described it. But like, in this case, I, it feels like this, this, uh, ability has been enhanced, as you said, in the here, you know, in the construct because they literally have to be in the room and everybody's basically, you know, placated. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, this um, is, you know, the, 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 the fanta- fantastic power of mixing humans and the Onkali together. Yeah, a lot more effective than uh, just the Onkali. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Jodas asked him if he could get Jesusa and Thomas out. That was not possible. The guards were too nervous. Two of the guards last night swore that they saw four people, not two. So, obviously, Jodas and Ayer were spotted. Obviously, they're talking about when Jodas, Ayer, Jesus and Thomas were walking towards the village first time. So, that's when they actually got spotted. So that's why the group was sent uh, here up to that house uh, on the cliff the day before to check up on Paz and Javier. It has been two days now and Jodas was slowly getting anxious but not desperate yet. It was extra two days. It might then get desperate. Jodas was planning to leave after dark before moonrise. It asked Francisco for help. I've been trying to think of what I could do. I think I'll go down and just wait. If Jodas needs help, if it's taught, uh, perhaps I can give it the time it needs to prove it isn't a dangerous animal yeah the, the, this is so obvious here like okay i'll, I'll help you mm-hmm. hmm. yeah and it, it was it, it is uh you know n- notable how, how willing uh, francisco is to, to sort of like immediately flip <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he's he's now uh like actively conspiring to try and get Thomas and jesus out of the camp for uh, uh the 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 Orankali, mm. whom he's been like preaching against for the last fifty years. <laughs> this is this <laughs> is more. serious like Stockholm syndrome on steroids at this mm. point. I mean the the whole uh, Orankali pheromones thing. Uh, a parallel that occurred to me, I think, originally when I was reading this, is it, it, it's a bit. Um, it struck me as a bit like in, in Brave New World. Uh, they have this, you know, yeah. Um, uh, 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 wonder drug called soma yes and, and everyone is constantly like you know Take, dosing themselves yeah. with it whenever they feel any kind of unnecessary emotion situation yeah. 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 yeah 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 and i know the ankari pheromones feel very uh soma like to me um it's just the, the the humans are uh not so much dosing themselves with it but the the ankari <laughs> dosing the humans with it but uh, god that Book is yeah. so depressing. Well, it's just really reminding me because I read it, you know, reread it, you know, not so long ago, and it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Oof. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. That's uh, one of my favorite dystopian novels. It's uh, That tells uh, a lot about you if you have favorite dystopian novels. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so. Um, I don't know, like 1984 is very kind of, you know, like boot to the face. Yes. But, um, Brave New World is so much more insidious. In it its, is, uh, it is. In its dystopianness. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's a it's a very good description of 1984 and, and Brave New World because yeah, 1984 is the one that you like feels almost like it's it's how how close are we to this reality, whereas Brave New World it starts very light and then suddenly just like the twist is just like oh god. But anyway, it's not the books that we're talking about now today. So we may actually maybe just uh, no talk about them in future some uh, episode or something. It would be interesting, especially. I mean, Brave New World has some some fun biological stuff in it, actually. Yeah, we could pull through some mm-hmm. of the stuff just in like one episode of this, you know, talking through the book or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, coming back, Santo, Santos ch- chimed in. It is a dangerous animal, which made Francisco look at him as. Uh, in distaste. He then added that its people will come and destroy everything he built. It annoyed Francisco, but, you know, Santos added he doesn't mind it, just he's not blind to what will happen. Um, <laughs> this is where Francisco says, the, you know, there is a reason why Santos has had his nose broken. His unfiltered mouth was the reason. Um, although he was right, and they knew it, right? So obviously. But to shut Santos down, Joe connected to his neck and started to work on his nose. He needed his cartilage and bone uh, adjusted, but the main thing was to repair his nerve damage. It wasn't just being hit on the nose. The man was thoroughly beaten about the head. Yeah, that's that's what happens when you can't keep your mouth shut in some cases. Yeah, although, I mean, <laughs> the, the, yeah, it just seems so, like unnecessary right it, <laughs> the it, it guy does can absolutely <laughs> but <laughs> if you're now surrounded in the area where in by people who um you know in a, basically going back to the tribal sort of behavior you know yeah when mm-hmm. there's a lot of violence and then when when you know when you sh- the way you establish uh dominance is by physical power right like you no know, if you talk too much and annoy too many people Mm. Yeah, it's not. Uh, you're it not gonna be the... just ignored like in the office. You're just gonna be beaten up. Yep. Mm. It, it, it does seem as though Francisco and 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 uh, uh, um, Santos Santos have a bit of a, a history. Um, I think Santos maybe. has history of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Francisco added that after asking Jodas what it was uh, doing, that maybe it should seal his mouth as well. <laughs> but he also said that he'll come down with him, but still wants to go with Don Cali. He wants to go to the Mars with fertility restored. Jodas suggested maids, but when it said that the Uloi was going to be Don Cali, not construct, the man chose Mars. Um, and here's a paragraph sort of uh, interaction between them. Where shall I meet you once you've gotten Tomas and Jesus out? Follow the trail down river. Come as quickly as you can, but come carefully. If you can't get away, remember that my people will be coming here soon anyway. They won't hurt you, and they will send you to Mars if you still want to go. The man didn't know mm-hmm. patience, and in the century he lived, he never learned any. He really wanted to go to join the group and go to Mars. The chapter ends with Jodas warning Santos to keep his mouth shut to protect everyone, and then he headed down the mountain. I left it and headed down the mountain, using the path when it was convenient and ignoring it otherwise. The humans with air would find it dark and would have to be careful. For me, it was well lit with the heat of all the growing plants. That's where the chapter ends. And I just noted here that obviously I, I sort of imagined through Jodas's eyes that, you know, mm. it must have looked like, you know, looking through the thermal vision camera, like all those plants, the heat, you know, like the purples and blues and, you know, stuff like that. And I just thought to myself that that must have looked beautiful like you know that you go in a dark night 
and then everything around you just glowing, like similar to um, Avatar. Mm. Ah, yeah. Movie yeah, like yeah. when all those colorful flowers, you know, uh, sorry, the plants and leaves and stuff like that. Mm. Just I just sort of imagine like that. Like I just saw, I was like, wow, I'm jealous. So, like that that one paragraph made me feel like, yeah. huh, sit I down think, and ponder. That would be- it would be very interesting. I don't think I've ever seen like footage of a jungle specifically through like a, a flare camera. But for the most part, um, people are like the, the the dynamic range of the temperature is usually like tuned to contrast an animal against yeah. The, yeah. the backdrop of the plants. So maybe if you if you kind of choose a different increment um, or a, a different range to to emphasize the differences mm. of, then you would see more of the the differences in temperature among the plants uh, and, and that would be more useful to you but, yeah, yeah so here is a homework for us we're gonna buy a thermal thermal camera and do that ourselves <laughs> <laughs> they're quite expensive i know <laughs> we can find very expensive <laughs> funny thing is because i wanted to like you know uh look there, there actually there are some you know the um mm-hmm. uh youtube channel electroboom Mark D, oh, yes. yeah, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, advertising. He he was had a sponsor of like those thermal cameras, and I looked mm. at the price of them. They were like uh, add on to the you know for phone like USB C sort of connection. Mm-hmm. They were still very expensive. Yeah, I so said there's a there's a like not as bad as the dedicated ones, but they're still like quite bad. Yes, it's <laughs> and and you probably don't have anything like you know uh, like some advanced dynamic range tuning and, and yeah, and, it's and small mm, increment ch- stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, honestly, expensive uh, hobby I would say, but just to take a shot of what you know of uh, some you know foresty area, <laughs> mm-hmm. super useful though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, like you go, you walk in the darkness and you can see everything, basically. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Stick it on a drone. Oh, wow. <laughs> That'd be amazing just to see, you know, like take a shot, you know, aerial shot of like a, of a sort of area, you know, in sort of like field or something and see all those like little animals and insects maybe like, you know. Mm-hmm. And you get great contrast in, in winter weather. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because yeah, the... All the animals stand up much more boldly against a yes. uh, a cold background. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm gonna save save up some money and buy myself a thermal camera. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, shall we go to the chapter eleven prediction? Sure. So now it's the you know cue in the Mission Impossible music. It's an infiltration of the village. Time to get Jesus and Thomas. But uh, I thought to myself, you know, they're underground, uh, probably one floor underground in a cylindrical building, probably one entrance, guards all the time there, uh, probably guards on the periphery of the village. Uh, you know, getting to them probably be easy. Getting them out, p- probably exponentially diff- more difficult, you know. I don't know. I just said mm. to me, like, this whole sudden, you know, idea of, like, single... One man army going into and um, to to help you know to rescue two people doesn't sound so so probable anymore. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends on the stealth, right? The whole oh yeah, um, like you know, know, stinging. stinging people into yeah. unconsciousness thing is uh, is a pretty effective. Um, I don't know if, if there's a couple of guards that they can just you know, uh, you know knock out in place and then sneak out with the. Uh, uh, 
with Tomas and Jesusa, then yeah. uh, maybe it can get away with it. I mean, if uh, if like you no know, Jota's really concentrate on releasing the pheromones, like create an aura around him, and just you know like walking in, stab one guy, Dodder is like ah, oh! and then you know, stab him as well, you know, before he can you know mm. do anything. <laughs> sort of dial up the oh the yeah, like even more and yeah. confusion components, and then have people just okay. Eh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But let's see. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, it for today. Just about everything. Awesome. Yeah. Well then, thank you very much, everyone, for listening for today's episode. You can find all the places we upload our episodes on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. And I was Richard Jackson. Goodbye. Goodbye.